It's Chelsea. And this is Andrew, and welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we go back over very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and see how they hold up today and what they might teach us. Today, we are doing one of my very favorite shows, Golden Girls. Super excited about this. We are doing season five, episode 24. The episode title is All Bets Off. The writer is Eugene B. Stein, and the show was created by Susan Harris. You can watch this episode and all episodes of The Golden Girls on Hulu. The original date for this one was April 28th, 1990. And our snack of the day is the very exciting Smart Food Delight Sea salt popcorn. We decided we were having too much fun, so we took it down a little (laughs) bit and ate pretty much packaged peanuts (laughs) and bland air. So let's try some right now. All right, let's get into this popcorn. I feel like it met every single expectation I could have possibly had. What Were they high or low? They were just straight middle of the road. <laughs> I expected it to taste like popcorn. Tastes like popcorn. Yeah. I'm not a huge popcorn fan. I know that's controversial. <laughs> um, I don't... I. I want popcorn when I smell it at the movie theater. Sure. And then I have a handful and I'm good. I don't I, need much more. No, I'm the opposite. I want it when I... I, I want it when I spell it at the theater, but then I'll eat however much is in front of me. Yeah. Miles, is, Miles our uh, audio engineer slash director slash composer of theme music, uh, loves popcorn. Yeah? I have nothing to add about popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any popcorn insights like Chelsea and I do? Good. He eats it as a meal. Anyway. All right. So um, I'm super excited to do our first Golden Girls episode because yeah. I love this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen definitely not all of the episodes, but many, many episodes. The show uh, was on for seven seasons, 177 episodes from 1985 to 1992. And then it's just been running in syndication forever. And there was a spinoff. Which was? Golden Palace. Which was, Do you not know about this? No. Was it a bunch of men? No. It's it's everybody except Beatrice Arthur, mm. who couldn't be bothered, and the girls, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia, all open up a hotel. Oh, I'd watch that. I hear it's terrible. I'd still watch it. So, um, a bit about the show creator, Susan Harris, because my research showed that she's one of the most fascinating people yeah. in the world. Shiro. So, She's a real American Shiro. You can just say heroine. Or you can just say hero. How about that? Uh, I don't want to say hero. I want to say Shiro. So anyway, Susan Fight Her- me, Andrew. <laughs> I can't. I'm, you might be a villainess. <laughs> uh, so yes, Susan Harris created the shows Soap, Benson, Golden Girls, uh, the spinoff Golden Palace, and also a Dutch version of the Golden Girls. But more importantly, she created the show Maud, which was mm-hmm. a show from the mm-hmm. early 70s. Early 70s, yeah. Which starred uh, B. Arthur. Yep. And also may be the best 
instance of the very first special episode. Yes, and also uh, Rue McClanahan was on Mod. She was. Um, in fact, when they were putting together the cast for the Golden Girls, and this is from a, a great trivia article about Golden Girls that is on Mental Floss, I'll give you the link, NBC was against casting B. Arthur. Um, Harris, uh, Susan Harris wrote the role of Dorothy with B. Arthur in mind, sure. but then NBC president Brandon Tartikoff was against the idea, uh, stating that B. Arthur's Q score, which is a rating system of a performer's audience appeal, was too low. She was recognizable, but not, quote, lovable, thanks to Maud's liberal leanings. Um, Broadway legend Elaine Stritch was a contender for the part of Dorothy, but oh. she alienated the producers by improvising her dialogue and dropping an F-bomb during her audition. <laughs> You mean, I love that. you mean huggable puppy Elaine Stritch? <laughs> yes. yes. Jesus, Louisus. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. so uh, the, the episode of Maud uh, entitled Maud's Dilemma, which is part one and part two, uh, can be considered the first intentionally special episode. And it dealt with Maud getting pregnant later in life and then deciding to have an abortion. Um, and yeah, kind of started this whole thing off in the early 70s and then it picks up steam around now. Um, or in the 80s, and by now it's already sort of dying out. The very special episode. Very special episode. Yes. So, Chelsea, what is the ordinary world of the Golden Girls? Well, the ordinary world of the Golden Girls um, is four previously married women living together in Florida. They're all uh, older women later in life in their, I'd say, their 60s to probably Estelle Getty's character is probably supposed to be in her 80s. Yep. Um, they see each other through ups and downs. They eat cheesecake. They make jokes. Uh, and they throw parties. They throw parties. They um, invite every, everyone they knew. They give each other the biggest gifts. Are there cards attached? And they, yes. Mm, what and is? it's, it's constantly not only on those cards, but in person, they are constantly thanking each other for being a friend. You know, this is one of the top five TV theme songs, hands down. It's, it's phenomenal. so good. It's so recognizable. Everybody knows it. So the stakes are usually pretty, pretty light, except that for a show with a, an older cast, they do deal a lot with mortality in a very real way, but they also deal with things in certain episodes such as AIDS, homosexuality, mm. assisted suicide, artificial insemination. Most of the time it's dating hijinks and wacky neighbors and competition between the women over things like being volunteer of the year. But for the most part, um, but they do get into these deeper, darker subjects. Dorothy, the B. Arthur character is the arch, the the smart one. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mother, Sophia is the mean one. Rose is the gullible, lovable one. And Blanche is the thirsty one or the Blanche archetype. (laughs) The Blanche archetype. Um, I would also throw in there that Sophia is the wise one. One as well. Yes. Uh, fun bit of trivia, which I feel like everybody knows, but I want to mention it anyway. B. Arthur is actually one year older than Estelle Getty. What? And Estelle Getty, they did, I think, something like 45 minutes of makeup on her, of age makeup on her every day to make her look Good. like she could be B. Arthur's mother. Lord. Yeah. Wow. Um, B. Arthur must have aged very handsomely. Yes, very handsomely. So the ordinary world is Miami, Florida. It's very pastel and floral. Mm -hmm. They're traveling up the road and back again very often. It is, at this point, it is 1990. So we're right on the cusp between the 80s and the 90s. And we start out 
this episode on the lanai, which is, <laughs> is that what it is? That's oh, what it is. I'm sorry, I'm just a simpleton, so I wrote patio. Uh, yeah, no, it's a lanai. That's a very mm-hmm. Florida thing. In fact, there there are jokes about how they call it the lanai, and that's you know they if make you, jokes about. If it. you'd like me to leave, I can I can go. It's not my fault. You don't know this word. Rose <laughs> is painting, mm-hmm. and Ma is punching up Dorothy's resume. Yep. Dorothy has an interview for a vice principal's job. Yeah. And then Blanche comes in and she's excited about a date with a first date with a new guy that she works with. A man named so, Donald. Donald. So, so we're, all of us are doing, you know, the same stuff. Yeah. Standard things. Boom, 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 boom. 95 seconds in. Rose, it's all set up. Right. Rose is pleasant. Sophia is overbearing and picks on her kid. Dorothy is smart and professional and applying for a job. And Blanche dates a lot. Blanche is Blanche. Blanche gotta be Blanche. So this is where we're introduced to the first problem, which I find charming, is that Rose can't remember what a horse looks like. Yeah. She needs to see a live horse for her painting, not a photograph. No, God forbid. Uh, but she's got she to see a live horse so she can finish this painting. It's fine, I guess, but come on, man. Look at a horse in a pic. Okay, so Blanche is like, well, why don't you go to the horse track where you can see all the horses you want? And Rose doesn't want to go by herself, so she suggests that Dorothy join her. And Dorothy is um, a bit reticent at first. But Blanche says, maybe my favorite line of this episode, come on, Dorothy, you can have fun and Rose can memorize a horse. <laughs> memorize a horse, yes. It's not played for laughs. It's very subtle. It's but so I'm like, good. I've never had to memorize a horse before. Rose doesn't want to go alone to the track because she'll have to deal with lecherous men and and uh, it's it's great. But And Dorothy doesn't want to go with her and she says, I haven't been to the track in 15 years, which should be a flag, Promise. red flag. And so this is the call to adventure. And there's an interesting thing that happens, which is so the call to adventure in the hero journey is the catalyst for change, the inciting incident, you might mm-hmm. call it. It's interesting because Dorothy initially tries to refuse the call. She doesn't want to do it. She says several times she doesn't want to go, right. but they pester, pester her until she agrees. If she d- refused the call to adventure, the world would not get sick. So usually sure. the ordinary world gets sick. There's a Herald character in this case, sort of that's Blanche who comes in and says like, you should do this thing. It will heal the community. Um, and then the hero sets off on the journey. In this case, the the world does not get sick until after the acceptance of the call to adventure. Sure. So it's just a kind of a bit of a flip there. Yeah. Um, something abnormal. Yeah. So this is the ordinary world where uh, Dorothy is in control. Dorothy is logical. Dorothy is, has got her head on her shoulders. She We're is. about to find out that when you introduce gambling into this, Dorothy loses her way. So, and that's where we get there pretty quickly. So the next scene is later on in the living room, unless it's got a fancier name than that. No, it's just a living room. Just a living Maybe room. Maybe it's the great room. I think it's a pretty good room. Mm-hmm. So, um... We have Sophia uh, is is there. Blanche is getting ready for her date with Donald. And we have, I guess, my favorite uh, uh, dynamic here, which is the Blanche says, I'm going to do this thing. And Sophia goes, you're a whore. <laughs> oh, my God. It happens so many times. <laughs> it's great. I mean, you could say literally anything. Well, I think I'm going to put on this hat. You mean a hat like a whore would wear? <laughs> it's usually more clever than that, but that is the bottom right. line of this. I will say, of all of this, this is just not just to do with the jokes about Blanche being uh, promiscuous. Mm. 
of all of the shows we've watched so far, the jokes in the Golden Girls hold up the best. I, I have to agree with that. I wasn't as thrilled with them as I was when I was younger. And on, honestly, man, I wasn't I wasn't good with them saying all off jokes anymore. They felt really annoying to what me. What jokes? I know the Saint Olaf jokes. Oh, the Saint Olaf jokes. I yeah, love the Saint Olaf jokes. I know. I know. Oh my God, I love them. I, I think that it's a combination of like, I get it. I understand what this joke is going to be. They also don't go deep into a Saint Olaf joke in this one, but also, it, you know, looking at Rose now, it's like she kind of acts like somebody with early onset dementia. Which made me feel real sad. Yeah, I don't think they ever intended no, that. No, I don't um, think they did at Betty all. Betty White's character, Rose, is the gullible sweet one. She comes from a very small town in, I think, Wisconsin or somewhere yeah. called St. Olaf. And there are just constant, constant jokes in this episode and all episodes about the town being small and people from there being dumb and it mm. being sort of backwater. So, um, there you go. Yeah. So, Rose comes back from the track and says she wants to paint a horse while it's still fresh in her memory. <laughs> you know. She memorized a horse. Hey, uh, hey, hey, podcast listener. Just try to think of what a horse looks like right now. You can't do it, can you? Get yourself to a track. <laughs> she uh, she can't decide whether to paint the horse that brought the news to say no law that the British had no intention of coming, Solid. or the horse that was elected water commissioner for six months. It's pretty good. Um, and then Sophia is immediately alarmed that Dorothy went to the track, and she she. She she demands to speak with Dorothy, and when Dorothy refuses, she threatens her with old lady farts. <laughs> she, she does. She's like, I'll eat a bowl of chili, and we Come can talk fart about your it room. later. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty great in the fact that it immediately works. Dorothy is like, she is not fucking around here. Them farts are going to be foul. I heard Miles laugh out loud when that joke was made. It's true. Um, so Sophia uh, and Dorothy go into the kitchen to talk alone, and Sophia immediately launches into her about going to the track, and Dorothy says, I didn't place any bets for myself, yeah. uh, just for Rose, but it's nice to know I can still pick a winner, which is troubling. It's a troubling statement. It's not great, but she, she says over and over and over again that she is fine, she doesn't have a problem anymore, etc. And meanwhile, there's the wailing in the background of the ghost of 50,000 cheesecakes. <laughs> <laughs> but is, no cheesecake gets eaten in this episode. God damn it. But in case you guys are waiting for that moment, it doesn't I happen. Was, so I was. It can't be every episode or then it's meaningless. Uh, okay. Meh, um, I still found a lot of meaning in the, I'm doing a thing, you're a whore. That happens every <laughs> single episode. We find out in this scene that Dorothy inherited a gambling problem from her father. Right. And her mother refers to it as a disease. Which is, and yeah. Which is, I mean, I will say, in this entire episode, Dor- so n- this is the thing we know now about Dorothy. She she can't control her gambling. It is never referred to as a lack of willpower. Yeah. It is never referred to as anything that is her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just like, this is a problem. This is a disease. You need to go get help. It's it's very, it's the, the love is like tough love and it's stern from her mother, but it's right. non-judgmental. It's true. It's a very understanding sort of situation. And in fact, even when her previous troubles with gambling are brought up, um, it's still in a sort of you need to get help kind of way instead of I'm going to make you feel awful about yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're the worst. By the way, has anybody in this room, I am not asking if anybody's been addicted to gambling because I don't think we're those sorts. Like nobody here is wearing an ascot, which I think mm-hmm. you got to do. Or a pocket watch chain. Has anybody enjoyed a, a game of gamble every now and then? <laughs> I went to a riverboat casino on my 21st birthday. Mm. Um, 
like we were there at 11:55 or whatever and it, when it turned midnight we went into the casino. Yeah. Uh and I think I lost $20 and then left and I haven't really been back. I'm just not um I'm not a gambler by nature. I like a sure bet. So if you're yeah. like you can have $20 and you can double that to 40 maybe or just hold on to the 20, I'm a like bird in the hand kind of person. Sure. Miles, have you had any incidents or have you thought of anything to say about popcorn? <laughs> the jury's still out on the popcorn. Yeah, uh, I, sure. I've gambled very little. I, I played black and red and made 40 bucks in roulette. Sure, that's um, I lost about 40 bucks playing some blackjack. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. That's, that's it for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't appreciate games if they're completely chance. Mm-hmm. I have one on a direct bet on one number in roulette, which is very exciting. But then I just walked away. I was like, "That's never going to happen again. That's yeah. literally never going I to happen beat again." The odds. I can just give. I can just throw this money in a fire right now, or I can just walk away. Right. I will say I love a good door prize, though raffle, that kind of thing. Sure, love those things. Every now and then, I'm in, I'm into a lottery ticket. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, my mom we used to sometimes go on walks to the corner store, uh, and we could take our allowance. We could buy candy or something, mm-hmm. and my mom would allow us to buy scratch-off tickets because I feel like scratch-off tickets when you're a kid is kind of like opening a fun surprise in a way. And if we won one or two dollars, we could spend it. We were allowed to spend it on anything in the store except for another ticket. That's good. So if you won two dollars, it was like two more pieces of candy. There you go. So yeah, no, I I'm not a big gambler. No, I don't I don't get it, but I I understand that it is a compulsion. And my favorite, this is tangential, I apologize. Uh, and my favorite side effect that you'll hear on TV is you know the desire to gamble. Is a side effect of gambling addiction? Nope, is a side effect of some drugs that you can take. <gasps> Interesting. Some drugs block off a part of your mind that helps you understand long-term consequences. So you'll be like completely short-term and you're more apt to go out and gamble a bunch and not be able to stop. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. All that said, I truly believe it is like any other addiction, sure. a disease, a thing that people have a have a predisposition to, and that it's a thing to know about yourself. And as with any problem, with any disease or any addiction that you feel like you can't get a control of, there are many resources out there. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, mm-hmm. they have a national helpline, which is 1-800-662-HELP. They have a treatment referral service, uh, a confidential free 24-hour day, 365-day-a-year information service in English and Spanish. They have a great website. You can order publications. You can find support groups and treatment facilities. Yeah, so go to SAMHSA if you feel like you have um, any sort of addiction, but especially, specifically, because we're talking about gambling addictions, that is a thing that they take very seriously. Again, it's 1-800-662-HELP. Awesome. So then, uh, getting back to this episode after that very serious break, we have Donald arriving for his date with Blanche. And Blanche is ready. She's she's concocted this scheme where she's going to hide a watch on a necklace in her cleavage. It's not as much a scheme as just a bit. 
She's. I mean, it does factor into the, I'm wearing this thing as a thing. You're a whore. Yeah, and then she says, I see by my watch, you're right on time. That's pretty good. Um, there are more St. Olaf jokes. Rose is an adult child. Ha, ha, ha. Donald um, takes a shine to Rose's horrible paintings. Yeah, Rose, well, he says it's an interesting primitive, which is yeah. such a backhanded compliment. It really is. Um, but he says to Rose, if she finishes her series of St. Olaf paintings, she's done She's done summer and spring and winter in St. Olaf. If she finishes the fall of St. Olaf, then uh, they can hang them in the museum where he and Rose, uh, where he and Blanche. Blanche both work, which seems like a stunningly generous offer. It really does. Um, but it, it sets up Rose's plot line now for the whole episode, which is, in a nutshell, Rose has been painting for fun, but now she's got this looming deadline and this expectation of the museum wanting to hang her painting, so she's got to finish it. And it turns it from something she enjoys into something that gives her anxiety. So it's worth noting real quick that Donald, uh, the gentleman playing Donald in this episode, looks like John Cleese and John Waters had a baby <laughs> and then dressed it up in a vague sailor's outfit. That guy, I will tell you why I, oh, looked, no. I looked him up later. He has been in everything. Really? If you go to his IMDb page, he's been in a thousand things and he's still working. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry if you've that heard this, That man sleeps sir. on a golden bed made of money. Please don't destroy my Hollywood career. <laughs> I meant you look like a creepy dude in a good way. Oh, way to save it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, nice mustache. <laughs> uh, cut to that evening. Dorothy is up late. Her mother, Sophia, comes into the room and Dorothy is reading the racing form. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia catches her. They're both wearing amazing nightwear, yeah. which reminds me that the caftan slash dressing gown game on this show is so top notch. <laughs> and reminding me also of another piece of trivia that Rue McClanahan <laughs> had a clause in her contract. She got to keep all of Blanche's costumes, which were all custom made for her. And the legend is that when the show ended, she had 13 full closets of Blanche wear. Sure. Blanche wear. <laughs> Blanche wear. She yeah. should have gotten on the internet and started a company called Blanche wear and said, yes. if you look just like me, a saucy old lady, you yeah. can have some of these clothes. It also reminds me that very near where we lived in New York, when, when Miles and I lived in New York, there was a cafe called Rue La Rue. Oh, yes. Which was a Rue McClanahan-themed cafe, which I believe is now closed. Closed down a week before I came to visit one time. Oh, God. it's It had several of her costumes. It had one of her Emmys. I think she had multiple. What? Um, it, had, it was just a coffee shop, but it was Rue yeah. McClanahan-themed, and it was awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, the next thing we see, yes, so uh, Mom catches Dorothy reading a racing form. Rose swings by just to say, I'm still painting, bye. And then (laughs) Blanche comes home, and she is upset. So upset. So, it turns out what has happened here is that Blanche had enjoyed her date with this sophisticated gentleman. Mm -hmm. And she says, I went to freshen up. And so I immediately took off all my clothes. She took off all of her clothes in the bathroom and then put on a towel. And his then, robe. His robe. His robe, excuse yeah. me. His robe. And then walked out and immediately got aggressively naked at this <laughs> aggressively dude. Aggressively naked. She was at like, him. I'm naked. No. And Donald says, I'm put put your clothes on. I'm gonna take you home. And Rue is just incensed about this. Yeah, and this would have been humiliating enough, except that they work together, so how can she now ever go back to work? Um, And she says, no one has ever told her to put her clothes back on, not without shining flashlight in her face. This is pretty good. Also, maybe calm down a bit, Blanche. There's like 10 million other dudes in Florida. I'm sure you can find one with a mustache. (laughs) 
to the next day, Dorothy is on the on a payphone rescheduling her job interview. So this is the thing uh, we haven't talked about since the cold open, but like Dorothy is interviewing for a vice principal's job. Right. She is a teacher. She has made it clear she wants this job, even though it's extra responsibility. Yeah. She really wants this vice principal job. She's been preparing for it. That's why mom was working on her resume. Cut to her on a payphone rescheduling her um, job interview and she says to the person on the other end of the line, my car broke down, I'm at the auto mechanic. Mm-hmm. Can we reschedule for later this afternoon? Oh, we can. Oh, great. Then she hangs up the phone and approaches a man at a window to make a bet. And it's... the audience goes, ooh, they're very concerned. Yeah, we're all very concerned. And if we're not concerned, then the music tells us to be concerned. Yeah, so now we're in the special world for sure. In this special world, Dorothy is not smart, our logical or career-minded, which are all the hallmarks of her character. She's a slave to her gambling addiction. Yes. Um, And now we can see her hero's journey will be to return to a world where she is in control. Absolutely. And it's a bit of a a trek to get back there. Uh, So that's the end of Act 1. We get into Act 2. We're back in the kitchen. Uh, Rose is painting. And I'll be honest with you, this is my absolute favorite part of the episode. Yeah, it's great. Dorothy comes in wearing the most glorious silk pantsuit uh-huh. with this button collar. It's like a ripple button. I cannot describe it to you. Oh, I can you describe it. just have to see it. She's a vision. I, I can absolutely describe it to you. What is it? Think of any Star Trek villain. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is bright silver. It is a full pantsuit with boxy shoulders. It's um, and slouchy boots. She does wearing slouchy boots. Which because it's not umlaut shoulder shoulder pants. No, the little epaulets. Epaulets. Yeah, um, she's a vision. I'm sorry, she looks amazing. She absolutely does, and I'm sure uh, Captain Picard thought so too when he was oh like, "You'll never get away with this, Doris's Bornak." And then made out. Um, oh. Roses, yeah. I, like, I like your fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Your fan fiction instincts the are really good. The Golden Girls Next Generation. Then. Golden Generation. Golden Generation. Crossover Star fan Girls. fiction. Star Girls, yes. Um, so Rose is <laughs> yakking about St. Olaf some more and having trouble painting well, it. Well, this is my favorite thing, is that Rose says, I've got a story about St. Olaf, and Dorothy's like, I don't have time for this bit. <laughs> I don't have time for this bit. This is a fifth season, and I've caught on to you, Rose. So she's like, can you... And she's like, I don't want to hear it. And she's like, but it's... But it's short. And she's like, I know. And she's like, but it has a twist ending. She's like, fine. <laughs> you can just tell me the ending, but make it quick. And it's it. It's a, oh, and I'm sorry. Dorothy. And then Rose, Rose goes, says, splat. <laughs> that's it. That's so fine. Good. A, a sort of nuanced approach to their like running gags is fantastic. We get another one here in a minute. Yeah. So then Blanche comes in. She's super embarrassed about having a face on all at work. So she's not going. She's, she's still going. in her nightgown and her glorious caftan. Uh, and so we have a typical ABC storyline happening here. All three women are having trouble on their separate but parallel journeys, which is Absolutely. super clean storytelling. Yeah, it's good. Dorothy has lost control of her gambling. Rose can't paint the thing she has to paint for the museum. And Blanche is so embarrassed that she can't even go into work. So here's something I was confused about because I have a quota where I have to be confused about one thing per episode. Sure. Yeah. And I always meet that quota. So Blanche is sitting down and talking about how she doesn't deserve what happened to her and how she's a respectable woman. And uh, Dorothy, I believe, says, hey, Blanche, issue your latest issue of slung magazine came in is that just like dick stuff yeah it's got to be like playgirl or like hung magazine or something do you think they wrote down hung and standards and practices was like no no i completely understand that this is a porno mag for blanche remember that porno mags how quaint 
But slung, I've never heard that used as a term. Yeah, but you knew what it meant, right? Did I? You seem to have caught on. His brain's in his butt. His brain's in his penis. His brain's in his penis. His brain has somehow, somehow <laughs> slung down to his penis. Thank you for clearing that up, Chelsea. Yeah, I bet it was hung, and then you, standards and practices was I've, like, I'm we can't do that. that. And they're like, what rhymes with it? Whatever the first thing you think of is what we're going to go with. He's well slung. He's well slung. Yeah. That's all yours, anyway. gentle listener. You can have that <laughs> phrase now. Blanche subscribes to Porno Mags. Yeah. Sophia comes in and starts yelling at Dorothy for going back to the track because she found out that she went back to the track only, she only knows this because she was snooping through her daughter's purse without permission. And then Dorothy reveals something very troubling, which is that she missed her second, her rescheduled job mm-hmm. interview. And then she's like, I don't even want that job. Yeah. And Sophia says, it's happening again. You're losing control. And we know that Dorothy doesn't mean it when she says she doesn't want that job because it's set up that she really does. So now we think, oh no, maybe there's a problem. According to psychguides.com, there mm-hmm. are four signs of a gambling addiction, which are feeling the need to be secretive about gambling. Sure. Check. Yep. Um, having trouble controlling your gambling habits, check. Mm-hmm. Your friends and family express concern about your gambling, check, check. check. And then the fourth is gambling when you cannot afford to. We don't have any reason to think that Dorothy can't afford this at this moment in the show, but she's already hitting three-fourths of the signs of a gambling addiction. For sure. Absolutely. And there's a, a, a funny line that she goes out on, again, denying that she has any kind of a problem. Got a little this line. She got it, she got it taken care of a long, a long time ago. She's been. She's lived with the temptations. Yeah. And then she leaves, and Blanche says, it's amazing that sometimes you just don't know a person. And um, Rose, Rose says, says, I know. Dorothy used to live with the Temptations. I've never even seen them in concert. It's It made me laugh out loud. It's genuine. It's, it's good. so good. I'm turning around to this. I, I'm, I'm apologizing for my previous statement. This is a funny goddamn show. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't like the Olaf stories particularly. I like what they did with them here, but... Man, this is just classic. It just holds up. Like, the jokes are so smart, and yeah. they're they're often at someone's expense. Oh, yeah. But Which is you, my bag. But you get the sense that these four women love each other a lot, especially later in this episode, that these four women love each For other sure. a lot, and they don't hold grudges, and ribbing each other is just kind of how they interact. They're all yeah. roommates, you know. So, later in the day, we're out on the lanai. Rose is still in her jammies. She can't be bothered to get dressed. And Ranch... Uh, Ranch. Ranch. (laughs) Is there a celebrity couple name? Ranch and Blues. Oh, (laughs) gracious me. Ranch is better. (laughs) I think I've stumbled onto two characters from the Golden Girls porn parody. Ranch and Blues. Rose tells Blanche she might have been too direct with Donald. She needs to play hard to get, like a St. Olaf possum. Yeah, because you know how animals are notoriously coy about sex. <laughs> exactly. So they send subtle signals. Uh, and then Sophia comes out and asks Blanche to take her to the eye doctor because she's not speaking to Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy is inside in the kitchen making a bet saying, I'll get you the money tomorrow. I'm good for it. And, and Dorothy, by the way, at this point, has a classic cake case of the gambling shakes yeah so she is she is up and down this room and like her hands are crazy right you know and now but now she's hitting all four signs of the gambling addiction she's making a bet she can't afford she already owes money to her bookie whose name is frank and she's making another bet and she says put a hundred on this horse that i have a good feeling about so this is also good good storytelling because it's a kind of gambling that she can do from inside the house yeah like literally behind the backs of the 
the other characters. Yeah. It's not that she's addicted to slot machines or she has to go be in some other location that they have to shoot. Yeah. They, there was one, they didn't show them at the track. There's one scene where she walks up to a window that mm-hmm. is a betting window, but everything else about this gambling addiction happens inside the house. Yeah, and her doing it from home only doubles down, <laughs> so to speak, on yep. the, you know, the fact that she can't even wait to get to the track anymore. She's got to make bets. I believe even she said she heard something about this horse. It's not even yeah. researched anymore. She's just like, I got a feeling about it. Yeah. And so her gambling addiction is turning their ordinary world, their home, their safe space into a special world where she's out of control. Fair. So then we end up in the kitchen at night and Blanche is up late eating cookies, which Weird. is not what I signed up for. Out of for. character. And total product placement because they are referred to not as cookies, but as Chips Ahoy. A whole bag of Chips Ahoy is what she's eating here. Um, so now we are approaching the inmost cave. In terms of the hero's journey, we are seeking the heart of all wonder and terror. Mm. We are about to get to the climax. This all is about to come to a head. There's more dressing gown action, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, so Sophia comes in and she reveals to Rose, the cookie addict, mm, that the no, last Blanche is, time... Blanche is the cookie addict. Oh, Blanche, sorry. Rose is also there in a moment. Yeah. So they all three are there. Sophia reveals that the last time Dorothy lost control of herself to gambling, she almost lost her house. Yeah. Um, she so got this in with is some not loan just, sharks. Yeah, it's yeah. not just like, oh, she uh, she owed a couple hundred bucks to some, some friends. It's like loan sharks were coming after her house. They had to cash in her father's life insurance policies to save the house. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Sophia insisted that Dorothy go to Gamblers Anonymous. Right. Also, we get another, one of my favorite meta jokes about this show. Sophia says uh, another... You're a whore line to Blanche. I wish I could think of a better way to say that. Well, this is what it, what she actually says is that Sophia calls Blanche a human mattress. Uh, that comes after this. I don't remember what the actual insult is, and, and Blanche reacts. And uh, Sophia says, I'm sorry. The reason that I lash out is because I have such anxiety about what's going on now. Yeah, I'm deeply upset. And and then Blanche says, I understand. She's like, thanks, you human mattress. And then later she calls Rose a human speed bump. Boy. Uh, and then she apologizes. Immediately she says, I'm sorry, and they say in unison, we understand. It's good. It's a yeah. good little moment where it's like, here's why I'm a crotchety old woman. So at this point, we know that Dorothy is out of control. We know what the stakes are. Last time she almost lost her house. Mm-hmm. We know that she has reneged on a job opportunity that she was yep. super excited about. All responsibilities are out the window. And all of the women are now in. So when we started this episode, only her mother knew how bad this could get. Mm-hmm. And now now all three of the women know what the stakes are. Yeah. So the next day we have a, a break. It's the next morning and here we go. It's the climax. It's the big battle, the showdown with the shadow. We're in the kitchen. Uh, and the shadow obviously is, is her addiction. Yeah. Itself. Her own demons. But I guess the shadow's assistant is Frank. Yeah. This guy she's making bets with on the phone. So yeah, she gets a call from Frank and owes clearly owes him money because her gambling has not been paying off. And uh, she says she's going to get it to him. She's good for it, all of that sort of thing. And then sits down and starts looking for the racing form again. Yes. And Rose is in the kitchen painting. And Rose says, 
uh, Rose comes to the end of her journey, which is like yeah. the C storyline. And she says, I don't want paint for the museum anymore. I used to love it. And now it makes me anxious and I'm getting obsessed and obsessions can be very troublesome. And Dorothy says, that's just cause you're prone to them. Some people aren't, where's the racing form? <laughs> it's, it's pretty solid. It's pretty great. And then Rose says, why do you need the racing form? And, uh, and Dorothy says, uh, I don't. Um, but actually I, I need some cash. <laughs> Cash I need two hundred and fifty dollars to pay the paper boy. She 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 attempts to trick Rose, which right. is ninety nine has a ninety nine percent success rate. <laughs> it does, but not in this moment because Rose has emotional intelligence. Though she There's seems that. not to have any street smarts, she <laughs> she does have emotional intelligence. She might not even know what a street is. <laughs> so she says, "I need two hundred fifty dollars to pay the paper boy," and Rose says, "That seems like a lot." And then she says, "Oh, I need two hundred fifty dollars to mock and have an operation." A very small operation. This is an interesting way that this all gets solved. Rose gives Dorothy her bank card and says, take as much money as you need. You don't owe me an explanation. Pay me back whenever. I trust you. I trust you. And Dorothy takes the card and then she hesitates. Yeah. She, I think this is, I I think this scene is really, really smart because we don't, we don't cheat here. Dorothy as a character has the compulsion to be like protecting of Rose and caring for Rose, but also pointing out that when Rose is doing something stupid, what that stupid thing is. So she's about to leave and say, and Rose says, I trust you completely. And mm-hmm. Dorothy says, you shouldn't trust anybody completely. And you know, Rose says, yeah, it's fine. You're my friend. I can do that. And she's like, no, you don't trust anybody completely completely don't don't give people all of your things right and then rose says we're practically sisters and dorothy says even sisters lie and take advantage of each other and cheat each other and you're being naive and rose says i'm not being naive and dorothy says "Uh, you are being naive don't you see i'm rob i'm taking i'm going to take all of your money right now and rose says i know you are but i was hoping you would have a hard time taking advantage of someone who cares about you so much poignant man yeah i'm not i'm not that sounds sarcastic i'm not i was like oh it's really well handled. I gave it I gave it an honest to goodness. Oh my. Yeah, because Dorothy is on a slippery slope, but this only all started like 48 hours ago. Something like that. So yeah. she's not so far gone now that she loses touch with her ability to control herself completely and her love for Rose mm-hmm. is the thing that brings her back because if she goes out the door and takes all of Rose's money and gambles it away, the ordinary world is destroyed forever. They sure. can't continue to live in this house altogether. Like this will ruin the whole, the whole setup. Right. Um, in and, order to keep uh, gambling, she needs to be betraying her friends and exactly. family. If she goes further at this point, this is it. This is and as far as she can go. And they've set that up in a concrete way yeah. that it's, it's your friends or this gambling. And also in a way where they're not fucking around with this issue. In a normal sitcom, you would find out that Dorothy owes the the loan shark or whoever he is five thousand dollars. It's not. It's two hundred fifty bucks, which is not great, but is manageable. Right. So we do keep in mind that, like, hey, look, gambling doesn't have to be like. You're terrible or you're cured. It's like you're, you lead into it. Yes, this especially with the beginning. an addiction like this that doesn't alter your state of consciousness, yeah. where you can still be looking at the people in your life and, and wrestling in a, in a 
clear way wrestling, sure. I guess. I mean, I've never, I don't suffer from gambling addiction. Right. I'm not trying to speak to that experience. But it seems that at this moment, which is only 48 hours into a relapse, Dorothy has enough control to be able to look at this person that she loves and say, I choose you. Yeah. And she admits she needs help. Like immediately. She's yeah. like, I need help, Rose. I'm tired. I'm sick of all the lying. Yeah. And Rose admits she lied too. She set this thing up. And she's like, you never could have used my bank card. You don't have the pin. And then there's a joke where Dorothy says, it's written on the card. You also, wrote your pin on the card. Hey, welcome to 1990. <laughs> uh, it's, she's going to use the automatic teller. Right. And she doesn't know her personal identification, identification number. Yeah, we can't, uh, we can't abbreviate anything yet. We didn't start abbreviating things until later. people don't know what that is still. It's 1990. <laughs> They'll be like, what's a pin? What, she has to use a pin? Um, so Rose may be a bit of a dummy and she may be the butt of all their intelligence jokes, but mm. I love that she is the she is the person that the writers had come up with a way to get Dorothy to admit that she needs help. Absolutely. So the next scene after this admission and a couple of jokes, uh, we're back in the living room after Dorothy has gone to a meeting. And just a quick warning, there is some outrage coming up. But for the time being, it's very clear, hey, I went to the meeting, I went back, I never thought I'd go back again. I said, I'm Dorothy, I'm, a, I'm an addict and it's the same day. She's wearing the same clothes she was wearing in the scene with yeah, Rose. She does. She found look a meeting like, the same day. Right. So she went from the kitchen to fight Captain Kirk and then straight to the meeting. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but she and we don't see the the meeting. But I would say that is the resurrection where the hero is reborn and cleansed before entering the ordinary world. Absolutely. We don't see it, but that's that point. And now she's returned with the elixir to heal the community. The very last step of the hero's journey, and. She's she back says, in control. She's making she her own logical decisions. And using the, the logic that she had learned previously when she overcame this addiction of, I'm never going to be cured. You live with it one day at a time. And Jesus Christ, this joke. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. We're I don't both either. scratching our heads about it's this joke. So, uh, Rose says, of course you have to live one day at a time. If you live two at a time, you'd be constantly changing your underwear. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I was saying, like, like, if you, you'd be running out of underwear, I can see that. two days at a time, which means that, sure, if we're doing, like, I can only wear underwear in a 24-hour period, you wouldn't constantly be changing your underwear. You change it once in that two-day period. Maybe Dorothy's got a sincere problem. Yeah, the laugh track kicked up, though. Yeah, they were it like, we'll sense, laugh at anything. It made sense at 1990. All right, so here's the bullshit of this episode. So we are good with Dorothy. Dorothy's back on track. She and her mother are getting along. Rose is yep. fine not painting. But here comes Blanche. No, Rose is not. Rose is just going to paint for herself. Oh, painting for fun, not for the museum yep. anymore. But she's fixed, as it were. Yeah. So here comes, speaking of not fixed, here comes Blanche, and she comes back in, and she has confronted um, Donald about this this humiliation, where she once again exposed herself to a person who wasn't into it, which is the worst thing that could happen if it's a woman. And she says that Donald... uh, Donald has a policy where he doesn't date co-workers. Which is something that was brought up earlier by Dorothy. Yeah, so he has quit his job so they Hold can on. date. Blanche has said, well, you, you then this is over or you need to quit your job and come after me. And so he quits his job. And then she plays hard to get. And then she plays 
Hard to get. And then I checked IMDb and we never see Donald again. Yeah, so because he he's quit living on job. the fucking streets now <laughs> because he quit his job over a wishy-washy lady. He quit his job and now he and they'll never date again. But that actor, his name is Michael Ensign or Ensign, but I'm pronouncing it. Ensign is like the military officer. It's like a Star Trek officer. Or like Shakespeare, like Iago's. Like Ensign Wesley Crusher. Who once had to battle Dorothy's Bonex. It's so telling that I'm like, you know, like Othello's in Santiago. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, like Wesley Crusher. I don't know what you expect out of me. Uh-huh. Anyway, his name is spelled that way. So I don't, I, I'm going to pronounce it Michael Inzen. He works constantly. But That's, we'd never see him again on the well, Golden Girls. not this Girls. character. This character is defunct now. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, again, quits his job because Blanche asks. And then she says, nope, I'm going to play hard to get. Yeah, and it's probably good that uh, Rose wasn't counting on being hung in the museum at this point because, <laughs> so because, because that offer's off the table. I'm guessing Donald is like, I better try to get that job back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Um, because she's uh, not going to just get naked right now. I thought that was a sure thing. I thought, oh, God. All right, so what did we learn in this episode? We learned a lot. I think that, you know... If anything, there are certain addictions that we know of, alcoholism and drug addiction, are constantly spelled out to us, and we're constantly told about the behaviors of drug addicts and alcoholics and how sneaky they can be and things like that. I think this helped us to learn that not only are the signs and signals and behavior the same, but also gambling addiction is right up there with them. Yes, it doesn't change your consciousness. Yes, it technically doesn't harm your health to do so. You can't overdose on gambling. But it's important to see it as an addiction, as a disease, and as something that needs to be treated. I agree. And in that same vein, uh, I like the fact that it's Dorothy is the character they choose to give this problem to because she is the most logical, the most together, and the most in-control character. And I think the point that they're making is these kinds of things can happen to anyone. It's not just people who are kind of flighty or kind of wishy-washy or have no Mm self-control that can be uh, troubled with a gambling addiction. This is a disease. It can strike anywhere, which I think is when these special episodes work, that is often a feature of them, that they pick the character you think is least likely to experience X thing, and mm-hmm. then that's the character that goes on the journey. Um, who did we want to hug? Man, I think if they'd spent, you know, if they'd checked in on Donald a week later and they found <laughs> oh, him God. on a corner giving out art appraisals for a quarter, I would have wanted to hug him, but that, that dude's probably just done for. I, I don't know. I guess it would be Rose. I want to hug Rose, too. They make a lot of jokes about how she's dumb. And she's clearly, this episode proves, not as dumb as they think. No. So she's getting this crap from them, and it's not right. But then I'd be like, here's a hug. Stop fucking talking about St. Olaf, bro. I'd be like, here's a hug. Tell me everything about St. Olaf. Right. I would hug her, and then I'm, I'm going to leave the room. You can talk to and Chelsea we'll talk. for a while. Betty yeah. White, call me. <laughs> National treasure, Betty White, call me. National treasure. Look, I love Betty White just as much as the rest of the internet, (laughs) but those jokes are just wearing thin. I loved this episode. Me too. I love this show. I think it worked really well. They did a great job. I think it presented this thing that a lot of people might have not considered to be as high a priority to explore Mm-mm. as other kinds of substance addictions. Sure. And also given off as sort of a flippant thing, like the yeah. Simpsons cover it, other people do, and it's like, whatever. And then they say the words Gamblers Anonymous many times. They, they name check the organization where you can get help if this is something that troubles you, yeah. which I think is really important. And they don't do it in that like 
cut away after the credits to a PSA way. It's <laughs> Where just Dorothy is or B. Arthur is talking to you straight. And <laughs> exactly. It's, like it's just like, hey, Gamblers Anonymous helped her before, and that's where she goes for help again, and that's a place that you can go. It's so, not a made up thing, it's a real thing. It's good. They managed to get in all the jokes, all the plots, and still cover this special issue. All fairly, I think. So, yeah. congratulations, Golden Girls. Good job, Golden uh, Girls. We will see you soon. Yeah, I'm excited to watch another episode <laughs> about a different very special thing and uh, talk about it some more. Awesome. Um, so, thank you very much for listening to Hugging and Learning. Join us next time for another very special episode. Bring snacks! Bye! Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. You can visit us online at huggingandlearning.com or send us an email at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. You can rate and review. Tell us about your experiences with the things we talked about today. Or suggest what episode you'd like us to do next. Thanks for listening. Our audio engineer is Miles Pulaski and our theme music is by Miles Pulaski. I'm Chelsea. I'm Andrew. See you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye.